Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to be in your presence, Father. I thank you that you can wash away any day that we've had and we can come to you with messy hands and dirty hands and just ask you to clean them up, Father. We repent of anything that holds us back, that blocks us from you, Father, that keeps us from loving those around us, Father. I pray right now that you'd grant us the ability to receive the forgiveness you give us and not to hold anything against ourselves, but that we would move forward in the special relationship that you have given us with yourself, Father, that you hold us more dear than we can ever know and that you're better than any father on earth. We thank you for the opportunity to know you, to serve you, to love you, to hold on to you. I thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back. To buddy walk with jesus as always as we get started we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and you are loved deeply as always for all the links for all the things check us out buddywalkwithjesus.com and if you are in need of prayer do not hesitate to reach out no matter what part of the world you are from no strings attached can be as detailed or not detailed as you want we're here if you are in need of prayer so this week i want to embark on an exploration of sorts um we hear about the trinity right god the father god the son god the holy spirit and i think sometimes it can be a little bit of a of an assumption that people that Christians are aware of the characteristics of God. So I want to jump in and discuss this and starting with God the Father. Um, one of the things about God is that he is infinite. So I say that at the start to say that there's only so much about God that we are going to be able to comprehend, that we are going to be able to understand. But that speaks to the goodness of God, that he is willing to share with us even a portion of understanding of the characteristics that he possesses. And to in a way that we can look at from bible start to current day and everything in between and we can see all of these through lines of the character of god and you know it goes without saying that there's very little in this world that you can absolutely count on you know they say that the only two things that are definite are death and taxes and you know looking at the world from that framework that those are the only things that i can absolutely count on beyond a shadow of a doubt that's hard that's that's a a really 
disgusting and disheartening feeling. And so I want to take this opportunity before we get into the meat and potatoes of the characteristics of God to celebrate the fact that we can hang our hats on God. We can rest in him. We can count on him. You know, God gets a bad rep sometimes for the Old Testament. You know, I know that sounds a little tongue-in-cheek to say that. You know what I mean? Almost like it's a, like it's it's nigh should you be saying something like that when you're talking about God sort of thing. But think about it for a second. There is always this juxtaposition that's done, even if it's inadvertently, between Old Testament God and New Testament Jesus. But the deal, the thing that we need to remember is that for every single story that we have from the Old Testament that people point to and say, oh, that, you know, that God was mean and wrathful and bad and all of this kind of stuff. And, and you know, all we can count on is the, is, you know, the, the New Testament Jesus. If you will, look at, the, look at this from the point of view of perspective, right? If, when you're reading the Bible, you are reading the Bible from the point of view of the person telling that particular account. And it's easy for us to look at, oh, God is doing this. God is, God is uh, performing this action. God is against this particular group of people. And to get carried away with that, but in your mind, I want you to I want you to envision hitting the pause button for a minute and literally taking the camera and shifting your perspective for a moment, if you will, to the fact that you have a different group, a different person, a different aspect of the situation that God is working in love and mercy and working in faithfulness and also take in conjunction with that take into consideration that there is a preponderance of backstory every single time that we see god act i'm gonna say against a particular group or particular person there's backstory there and we see this need for repercussion for correction for judgment for justice like we talked about previously that when these things happen when we act there are times where there is needed consequences and we need to keep that in mind yeah i just want to jump in for someone who may have not heard that episode if someone doesn't get the consequences, then they believe they got away with it and therefore they can get away with it again. Right. That's the long and the short of it. So I want to start off with what probably seems like a no-brainer. God is holy. Isaiah 6.3 says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 96.9, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. 
Leviticus 9.2, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Skipping ahead to the old or skipping ahead to the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We hear a lot about holiness, holier than thou, holy, you know, we, we, we throw this word around a lot. But have we taken a moment to consider what this actually means when you say that God is holy, that we approach God with rever with reverence, and that that bears God's holiness and the, the holiness of the Creator bears an impact. Considering the holiness of God bears an impact on the way that we are called to live our lives. You know, I know that there's a word in here, right? That uh, a lot of times we, we speak out against and that's striving. You don't have to strive. It's already been completed. And in a salvationary sense, yes. And that's today's word of the day, salvationary. If it's not a word, it is now. Um, but we, we're, not, we're not speaking from a sense of salvation here. We are speaking from a sense of the way that we are called to be. And I know that that sounds like a works-based thing to some people, but when you realize that we have a relationship with the holy God of everything, that it's almost like a like a, like he's rubbing off on us, sort of thing, right? You look at your kids, and a lot of times you see you see your kids with you know for better or for worse some of your own mannerisms, and. For those of us that are in relationship with God, that same kind of transaction should be taking place, especially if we are engaging in the kingdom. You know, Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7, we have our literal list of byproduct of engaging in the kingdom and what this looks like. And, you know, we've been talking about things like forgiveness and we've been talking about things like suffering and talking about some of these very real things that we engage with on uh, uh, on this earth you know and that's that's why we say that god is a god that works within the gray because life is nothing but shades of gray god isn't god is black and white praise god for the fact that he is unchanging. Us humans can't say the exact same thing. We're always changing. Depends on what way the wind is blowing. So considering that regardless of what it is that we are contending with, that our commission doesn't change, that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. That's a huge weight off your shoulders. At least that's how I see it. Because I don't, I can't be trusted. When I'm in my head and I'm going through a manic episode or something along those lines, my emotions can't be trusted. Logic has to win out the day. And logic dictates that I hold true 
to this thing that I know to be true, regardless of the situation, regardless of what it is that I'm feeling at that particular time. Yeah, and when you were talking about holy, God being holy, it's important to, I think, to call into the mindset that holy is a trait of God. Right. And that we ourselves are not holy. And that's what makes God separate from anything else in the entire universe. And he encompasses the universe. That there is nothing unholy about him. And he even calls us to be holy like he is holy, which is a tall order in my opinion, but not unreachable. So when we think of this holiness and we equate it to God the Father, it should not be something that causes us to hold back because he wants us to come into relationship with him. He wanted this of the children of Israel in Exodus when he was calling them to come into an intimate relationship with him on the mountain and they were fearful because he was holy and you know he's a dangerous god you know you you can't mess with him and they feared rightly so but that he invited them wasn't enough and he invited them into the danger of knowing him and in that he would bring them safety because he had invited them which is a whole big difference than someone who tries to push their way in. Um, and then the whole concept of the word father, we tend to think of it as in, in human relations. You know, we male parents are called fathers, but that term didn't originate with us. It was always God and the, and the father, the Godhead, the father uh, parson in the Trinity that was his title that he had and he gave it to human male parents he bestowed on them for his own reasons that so father is something that originates with him it's not an, a human term is what i'm trying to get so even that of in itself has a whole different level of meaning than what we're used to thinking about and giving um i want to say uh, intentional thought to so we can't think of him as our earthly fathers because like holiness this is separate to god and he bestows that on us it is incredibly necessary to consider and remember the core foundation that these concepts originate with god that god is the one that is these things he these they are intrinsic to him it's not we are only so capable of i'm gonna say mimicking the father you know that's why we need a savior that's why we are sinners in need of grace i know some people don't like that verbiage for once you become a christian but newsflash we all still sin and we all still we all still miss a mark and so we the only reason that we are that we are justified is is in god and so when we look at these attributes it's it's all too commonplace to 
try and internalize, like, try, try and take some of this for ourselves sort of thing. Like, we're capable of, of producing these things outside of God. You know, Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Justice is a hot-button topic in the world, right? We all have this sense of justice. We've talked about it to death, and this is why I am such a fan of the morality argument and the, the, the problem of evil argument because if put into the proper context, when we look at humans' inability to produce these things in and of themselves— it points to the necessity for a creator. You know, we all, we all, there are certain things, and I'm not going to go into some of the horrific things that happen in this world. Use your imagination. There are some things that you look at and we say any rational or sane human being would think that this is wrong. Whatever the, you substitute this for whatever, for whatever. You know what I mean? And, and there's this, this shared sense of morality and the shared sense of what is right and what is wrong where'd that come from where'd morality come from when we look at this outside of ourselves the characteristics of god speak for themselves they are self-proving in every single way so it's wonderful that you bring up with the first one that these characteristics are intrinsic to God. That when we look at human beings, when we look at what we are, who we are, what we're capable of, what we're not capable of, it speaks to this unchanging nature of God. And that's a wonderful thing. Next God is impartial. Leviticus 19.15 says, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. We're going to go back to that one. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Acts 10, 34 and 35. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Okay. I myself was, I was confronted with versions of this in my own heart over the last year, really 
in the last year, but in different ways since I got saved. Um, so I, I say this. I'm going to say it's part of the problem. We can get carried away thinking that we are doing God's holy work by pulling away from certain people, certain groups of people. There's a whole mess of things that you can put to the some groups of people. You know, first thing that usually comes to people's mind, the LGBTQ plus community. But it goes so far beyond that. A particular denomination, a particular part of the world, a particular race, a particular um, sect of Christianity, belief set of Christianity doesn't fall into a denomination, falls into just just a different um, periphery belief system. I want to step into that first group a little bit. And, and we've talked on this before on the show, because I think this is so important. The LGBTQ community um, suffers, and I, I'll say this, the first generation, maybe not so much the second generation, because a lot of that is um, cultural. Uh, I want to say acquisition, or it's 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 in vogue, kind of thing. But the first people suffered at the hands of a dysfunctional family, usually a dysfunctional father. So the whole concept of father, if done wrong, perpetuates something of a need in a person that longs to be filled. It's an emptiness. Now, I know some people will disagree with that, but I know that a lot of people do agree with that who have gone through um, suffering um, with the whole concept of needing fathers so they can feel whole. Um, and th the sense that God says, I am the standard for fathers is missed in our human culture. So the whole sense of, and you were talking about justice and I forget the other, the other word you were using, the adjective. Um, but these are things that are important to God, that the family unit is important, that the wholeness of the family is important. And God is a fighter for that. He's a father to the fatherless and there's a concept that he wants to come along every individual who's suffering. Um, so this is me saying that we as a church have neglected, I'm not going to use the word duty, but our ability to serve the community by loving them the way the Father loves them into redemption. And this is not a judgmental thing. This is a, a relationship thing. The way, you know, uh, a parent might help a child who can't read um, and I'll give you an example I had a teacher because I could not read well she would beat me with a yardstick until I repeated the word as she said it but in my mind I was trying to understand how those letters formed and I remember this as a child how do those letters form the and this is the word I am in I was saying to myself how does I am in make the sound of in that says me and this is in first grade and i was beaten with a yardstick until i would repeat the word this happens a lot to children and unfortunately but god is a god of justice and this is 
this is dealt with on his time frame. I know for a fact that that teacher wound up meeting a parent who did not go with that. And I think she learned to be a better person after that meeting. I'll leave it abstract and you could just fill in the blanks. Um, but this is, if we are defined by God, our God Father, the Father of Lights, and He is love, then we have to love the community of people that surround us. Now, and then Joe, I think you may have said the word reject, or I forget how it was, but it was really such a strong word. And I, and I like that because we're pushing away somebody or we're pushing away a people group. And I just want to say that Father, God the Father is reaching out, period. We as a church should reach out, period. If we take it and simplify it with what Jesus did in his life, and I've said this many times, you know, he came to honor the Father and glorify his name. He came to bring salvation, love others, and then he came to destroy the works of the enemy. If we take those traits out of relationship of the first one, that we are honoring God and love, uh, honoring and glorifying him, loving him, and caring for those around us, we're snatching them from the flames of hell. We're snatching them from the, um, the things. And this is not something we can do in of ourselves, meaning that we can't make that person accept Christ, but we can reach out to them. And what, whether they grab our hand or not to be pulled out of eternity, the, of hell, is going to be a choice that they decide. But if we make it so that we're reaching out to anyone within reach, anyone without holding it, this is like a fireman who would go into a house. He's not going to decide who's he should rescue or not, meaning, you know, this person's moral background, character, or whatever. He's grabbing whoever he thinks he can get out of the house. You know, and this is an important thing. He's he's reaching out, but hell is real. And that's a concern that has gone by the wayside. And we talked about God's justice. And, and we know that humanity is corrupt because of what's happened. It's understood. But God the Father, despite what justice calls for, he's made a way for people not to face eternity without him. Um, and that's an important aspect to keep in our mind when we're looking at individuals. God's desire is that they come to him. You know, not that they get their lives straight, but that they come to him. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit will make their lives straight. The relationship. And I, I love that you said this is not a works thing. And I know you didn't say it that way. But we can't tell a person, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. Because then we force them into a tradition. But if we say, you know, this is how you can love the Father. Jesus told the adulterous woman, go and sin no more. He didn't say what it, the sin was. He told her, go and sin no more. She knows what sin is. If I tell you, Joe, go and sin no more, you pop into your head a list of things you consider are sin. You know, things that displeases God. You know those. They, they're an innate. They're written on our hearts. So it's a very, we've overcomplicated things. And when the Bible is very clear by how we love one another. That's how the world will see that it's real. And it's got to start with the concept of God, the father. I, well, that's a good place to start. 
you know, somebody may have started someplace else. I don't want to take it away from it. But however you get there, God the Father is such a key component to having a, I want to say a fruit-filled life so that you can be at the end of your life. When you go to see the Lord, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, and turn to the pleasure of your Lord. And so that you, and if I can say this, I know it's kind of like a cliche, that you don't have regrets at the end of your life. You tried, whether and even your failures don't feel like failures because you learned from the failures to reach out. You didn't right. stay in the failure. So those, these are concepts. And this is like the role of fathers. We're, we're supposed to teach our kids to get up and strive. And I did not have a perfect father. I have not learned a life's lesson from him. But God the Father was able to teach me who he is through many different aspects. And that is an encouragement to me, and I hope it encourages people's heart that God is involved in your lives. Do not give up. Do not hold back. Understand who God is in relationship to you, because the two are uh, go together. The two go together. You know, when you when you're pursuing God, you find out about yourself, and that's very key. And you know, we've talked about how people may feel like, oh, I'm just going to find out I'm a bad person. I can't put up with that. You know, I don't like that. Push through, push through, be transformed. But I would like to say it's in our nature, our spiritual nature, our supernatural nature to do that because it is out of our relationship with the Lord because you and I have been around long enough, me longer than you, to know when someone's faking the Christian love, yep. you know, bless your heart, you know, that kind of thing. And actually, I've only heard one person say it in a way that was sincere. Uh, and that's because I knew her very well. Um, but, you know, we when you're you're hurting or you're in a, a state of needing God, someone who comes across as inauthentic is probably the last thing we need. We need someone who will point us to the Father and allow us to hold on to the Father the best way. You know, and sometimes we need that person to, you know, pull us up so we can latch on to him but it's it's a it's it's a it's a difficult thing and i'm going down a rabbit trail and i really don't want to do this but it's a difficult thing for us as a person in need of god the father to understand how much we need him and so we look at other people to see how they interact with him um which can be a good thing because we can see an example of a good relationship um, but at one point, it has to be our relationship. You know, as messy as it is, we can't use somebody else's words to approach God. So this whole concept of surrendering to him is a unique individual thing. And it's got to be very authentic in of itself, too. I, I think of... I think of myself as a kid who grew up without a father, how was it I reached out to God? I'm thinking this question out because it feels so distant. I wonder if I can remember it, which may be a good thing, by the way. Um, but I know that I had a hole in my, a big hole in my identity because of that. And I longed for God to fill it. I just didn't know how he could. And it, it I want to say it hurt, but it was almost like, you couldn't exist normal 
without having this answer. It was really, really a driving question in my life. It was a very much, I felt incomplete because of it. And I think that's one of the things that God was, saw that he was faithful to complete that by showing me who he is. But, you know, it wasn't until my early 40s. So I held on. So thank God for that. The thing about love is it's an action word. You know what I mean? Like when when you when you stand for something, you are standing for it. You are engaging with it. You are bestowing it, if you will. And so there are going to be times where you know, I know some kingdom people that you can just see that it comes that 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 their ability to not even consider reacting to the person in traffic, uh, not helping somebody, um, any of those kinds of things, right? Any of the litany of examples that we've used, that that it just is not it's not even a consideration to engage to engage in that way. That it is just their knee jerk reaction to help and to serve and to engage and all of those kinds of things. I am of the opinion that we are a work in progress and that on some level, we need to choose to engage with God or choose to love somebody, even when our instinct, when our sin nature tells us no, for whatever reason, and you, you could, you could point to anybody and say, and, and figure out a million reasons. It's human nature, but there's never any to go back to the impartiality thing. There's never a, a, a limit to the kingdom. There's never a stopping point that, yeah, but this, yeah, but you don't know them. Yeah, but they did this, you know, both of us grew up in how in in less than functional households maybe you know with less than fully functional fathers both of us are married and if anything if anything the world would say we have we have a million reasons to be to to have partiality to hold back from uh, from a person, from a from a situation, from an archetype, whatever. And I would imagine that that goes even a step further when there are young people now looking to you to fill the role that wasn't fulfilled for you. Yeah, it does make sense. And my wife's had a lot of dreams about that of taking care of babies taking care and this is not you know a, a maternal clock kind of thing going on but it's really like the essence of caring for people new in the faith mm -hmm. um, and i think that's part of what god calls um i want to say mature christians because the bible talks about it, the mature christians helping the younger ones um and that could be any age, in younger in the faith, mature in the faith. It's not tied to chronological. Um, what's interesting, and, and, and I'm going to 
pivot on this is that God himself, and this is my experience, it may not be true for everyone, teaches me how to love him. And and I spoke earlier, it took me 40, when I was 42 that I started to learn about God the Father relationship really in detail. But that's because I would, if I would love God with clenched hands. So how can I hung, hug him with clenched hands? Because of the way I was raised, I may have a lot of anger. So I'm not able to fully express to God my heart because I'm so angry. And God wants to work out that anger. So, and then this is where the saints who have matured can come along and help and say, oh, look at this. Do you realize what's going on here? Do you see what's happening? And in a, in a guiding, loving way. Not like, oh, you're blowing your top, you need to count to 10 kind of thing. But, you know, this is this anger will keep you from enjoying the blessings of the Lord or going deeper in the relationship with him. You know, he loves you at this moment right now in your full anger. He loves you more than you can ever know. And it doesn't get less and it doesn't get greater. It's full love. And, uh, 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 and it doesn't get less or it doesn't get greater a moment from now or two years from now. You have full access to his love. But while this is your focus, you're not holding on to that. So these are the kinds of things that really allow an individual who's going through, and I'm going to say getting rid of the corruption, making an effort or working out their salvation, as the Bible says, by looking at the things they're doing to let go of these things. And it is a great thing when a person, male or female, learns to let go of the things that the world has done to them, to fully embrace God the Father, to fully feel his love, not only his love, but I'm going to put the word his pleasure in you because you have surrendered to him and have made yourself available to him. You are indwelt by him. So this this is sort of like you're entering a completeness, a full circle, if you will, and you are achieving something that is meant to occur on a daily basis. This is the way you will live eternally in that kind of union with God. The way that human minds work, when we take these next three characteristics together, it adds a different dimension of understanding. God is infinite. God is patient. God is faithful. We said at the top, we will never fully understand God. We will never fully be able to wrap our minds around the infinite God. He is infinite. It is in the nature of infinity to be unending and un fully understandable. And as a matter of fact, you, you start to get into the trouble of personal revelation when you have people that claim to have this kind of advanced, otherworldly sort of knowledge of God something outside of what can be comprehended by the human mind. Generally speaking, if you find somebody who is speaking like that, 
That's generally somebody who has created something of their own and is passing it off. Um, because even the people that were the closest with God in, as, in a human sense, there was a limit. There was a limit to the understanding. And in his infinity, he is infinitely patient and infinitely faithful. Psalm 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his purpose, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And I know it's hard sometimes to look at the state of the world and say and not say god why are you not why not yet um until you realize that there is not a limit on who is in need of grace who is in need of salvation and i challenge anybody think about your life before jesus and if you've if if your your whole life has been in the church and you can't really remember a time before Jesus, awesome, wonderful, that is a fantastic thing. My money is on that. Most people listening <laughs> can remember a time in their life without Jesus. I'm real interested to get the opinion of somebody who's walked this thing, who's done this thing for years, and has raised generations to to. Um, you know, obviously with the hope and the desire that they grow up loving the Lord and all of those kinds of things. Understanding these things and falling at the feet of understanding who God is and understanding that you will never fully understand God and understanding that these things are innately from God are the cornerstone of understanding who we are in Christ who we are to God, but also where we fall in the hierarchy. I, I think it's a that is a good way of saying the simplicity of coming to the Lord is being involved with him in a way that you get involved in people's lives. That that involvement bears fruit. And it also connects with you because that's the dynamic of God. That's the supernatural of it. No other religion has this where the Holy Spirit indwells person A and person B, same Holy Spirit. Six-year-old has the same Holy Spirit that a 74-year-old has. There's no, you know, baby Holy Spirit. And there's no, no difference in the Holy Spirit that indwells us. So we have that wonderful benefit of having God indwell us. So what do we give out to people? Are we giving out that essence of living water from our bellies? Out of our bellies will flow living water. Or are we using our words to create a dirty river, so to speak, a polluted river? The life that we've been given is for one thing only. It, it, this is maybe an oversimplification. It's about coming to the Lord. It's about entering that relationship. And it's about having that relationship 
go out into the world around you so that it is a light for others to see that they would want to come and glorify your father as well. And it has to be lived in a certain way. A lot of times we don't, we don't realize that that's a reachable goal. Um, some of us have hangups where we think, oh, I can't do anything perfect. You know, I can't do that. That's for, that's for the, the holy people to do, to reach out. But God has a relationship with us and he fully equips us to do it. If we look at our lives as something we want to give to the Lord as an act of worship, what would that look like? If we want to give it as an act of service, what would that look like? And now, mind you, all these things are flowing from a, a relationship heart, a relationship being, a relationship soul. This is not a checklist kind of question. Because you do, you're going to mess it up. You're not even going to pursue this. But if I want to give to God something that brings him pleasure, what would that look like? For Joe, it would look one way. For me, it would look another. For someone else, it would be another way. But these are holy things. These are sacrifices of time, which is something you cannot replace. You can make more money. Your health can be restored. Time, you cannot get more. Unless God does it. And he can. Um, he did add to people's lives. So we know that he can do it. But he doesn't change the past. So if we sacrifice, we do it in the context of what our limited, finite human lives can do. And say, I want to glorify you, Father. What can I do in this instance? Now, you may be surprised that he gives you something easy to do. Go for it. Take it as a major thing because small things are big things to God. You know, and if you're challenged because he brought the one person in your life you just did not want to deal with, then say, Lord, I want to sacrifice. I want to give you this offering of worship to you, you know, and you begin to pick up what it would look like because you're not, can I use the word? You're not so stupid. You know that you need what you can do. You, you're not like, oh, I don't have a clue what to do. No, you know because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you at that moment. Give a handshake. Say, how are you doing? Um, and if it's a difficult relationship, God will, will lead you. I can't give you an example for the difficult relationships in your life. I can only give you an example of a difficult relationship in my life and how I might approach that. And, you know, depending on what it is, I may have to step back and leave it at, hi, how are you doing? Without an attitude or without, you know, a hard, stern look. Um, and that would be for me a big thing, um, and especially in the context of what, where I'm thinking. But God wants us to be able to, to come into full relationship with him. And that means being able to serve him, to honor him, to glorify his name without barrier. And we have a lot of barriers because the world that we live in creates them so easily for us. And over the years, we've had so much exposure to it. So I don't want someone to be disappointed they didn't do it right because it does take time. And we should expect that. But what we should do is, and I said it before in this episode, push through it push forward you know run the race these are important things because at the end of it you will be happy because you can give god this beautiful gift you've give you've been working on and you know how parents love these finger paintings that their kids make 
and they're the only ones that see the artistry in it that's the way that god will be you know it could be messy but it's got such vivid colors and everything and god sees the heart that goes into it and sometimes we minimize that especially when we start to look at other people and we think they've done it well while well, we've done it terrible and we're taught to be competitive and to become inferior if we can't keep a certain standard that's not the way god values um effort it's what is your heart saying what did you put in of yourself into it so you'll be very amazed by how these little things are so meaningful to god don't hold back allow it to be messy move forward push through all these are simple things you can build it bit by bit and not hold back and before you know it you have a legacy that people have been watching this transition this transformation this move towards god and holiness as we spoke earlier that you're becoming more like him because you've surrendered little bit by little bit and over time that's compounded and it equaled and people are wondering how do you do it you know can you share your secret with me you know i want to know god the way you know god these are all things that god does through a relationship that is in present with him engaged with him you know that's intimate with him that is not about checking off a box i read these many verses i've read leviticus three times this month you know all these things now they, those don't get me wrong those are wonderful things but if you are doing it as a thing to do a checklist that's its own reward that does not mean that that bore fruit before god what bears fruit is what are you taking in in relationship to him the holy spirit is your teacher he's your comforter he's your indwelt god indwells you these are not things that require effort on your part they just are and so what you bring is your attention your interaction who you are that means the failures as well as the victories and you bring it all before god and you lay it before him and like a little kid dad look at what i did and he starts taking your little lego pieces and showing you how to put them together and then you're building these wonderful things so don't i want to say don't get worked up or don't feel like you won't achieve it is by god's nature that you will if you engage with him the last one i wanted to leave last because it's the most fascinating to me god is love romans 5 8 but god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us first corinthians 13 13 and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love is something that shows its power. The, the game-changing aspect is when we enact in love 
when we show love, when we are loved because we have been loved. That power is in love. Love is the thing that changes lives. Love is the thing that pushes forward the kingdom. It can look a bunch of different ways. It can look like service. It can look like things. It's it love the the way you enact this is not as much the point. Um, it's it really comes down to when we display love to other people we are displaying the very thing that god gave us that gives us hope that give that we can put faith in but it all comes from this point of understanding that there is a relationship between creator and created that it goes both ways so love i was gonna say love when you're describing it, it made me think of love can be i don't know if commodity is the right word it can be bought and sold but i'm thinking it's something almost like a tool that somebody can use to manipulate because the essence of what how the world has seen it not in its truest form um when you were sharing the verses one that comes to me and this is a, a separate thought um probably the most popular verse is john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and i remember the day that i had this thought and i was posting it on facebook when i was on it i said this is 100 percent proof positive that you can disagree with someone yet fully love them yeah and that's something that we need to remember as a humanity right Father God, I thank you for who you are, Father, and that you're always speaking to us, Father, regardless of where we're at in our lives, you reach out to us, you speak words, Father. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, Father, and that we would not hold back from you, that we would come forward fully to receive that love you have for us, to engage in it, to be in presence with it, Father, that we would be able to hold on to you, that we'd have that manifest understanding that you are in this room you are indwelling us and that you love us father and that you want more for us than we could ever imagine you want that relationship to be first and foremost father that out of it will flow living waters to the world around us to help the dying the lost father and that the enemy's works would be snuffed out by your presence in our lives Father, we would fully engage you with the understanding that you will change us. And it's not something we can do ourselves, but we give ourselves freely to it. In Jesus' name, amen.